welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I am just elated to be with you in 2020 on this podcast. I have got a bomb ass episode with Dr. Terry Malcolm today. We met another one via LinkedIn, saw her profile, was like, oh my God, this woman is amazing. And let me tell you, she really, really is. She's an OBGYN. She's a physician leader. She's a social and emotional intelligence coach, and she loves being active like myself. So listen to our conversation and then stick around afterwards for a kick of encouragement about labels. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Terry Malcolm. It's so great to get you on here. Well, thank you. It's so great to be here. All right. Well, introduce yourself to all the listeners and tell them all about your fabulous self and your work that you're doing in the world. Wow. You just really set it up right there. So I am Terry Malcolm and my clinical background is as a board certified OBGYN and uh, I am also a certified physician executive and now a physician leadership coach. So I have transitioned away from the bedside and to treating one patient at a time to now working directly with physicians and particularly physicians who are in leadership positions or who desire to be into leadership positions and really helping them to thrive as they lead. So focusing in on their strengths as individuals and as leaders and just helping them truly excel. Um, in their positions. And this passion, if I remember correctly, comes out of your own leadership journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I mean, I, um, I kind of always seem to be the one that was, you know, in the leadership position or in a very un informal leadership position. And then when I had the opportunity to step in and actually have a leadership title, then I really felt that pressure. And I really felt that weight of now being responsible for the group really working together collectively and for us, you know, hitting targets or meeting results or um, advancing the initiatives and realized how little training that I received and my other fellow colleagues really received in, in, in our ability to really be effective leaders. It's, I think a lot of times what happens is that we get promoted or we get voluntold <laughs> or, you know, we just kind of get put into these positions because of our capabilities at the bedside or our capabilities in the OR, or, you know, you're maybe the, the best physician within your particular subspecialty, or you've been recognized with various awards or, or accolades. I'm not saying that that was necessarily my, my journey, but sometimes that's what happens. And then you are thrust in this now leadership role where you have a whole new set of responsibilities and you have to tap into a whole new set of skills, but there's really not anybody who, that you, who you really feel like you can talk to and confide in about maybe some of the challenges and the struggles that you're experiencing, which I think ours as physician leaders are a little unique within the healthcare spectrum because we're often the only physician voice at the table or in the room. And so we can sometimes by our non 
uh, clinical partners be looked at, looked as as being the voice for every physician, which we are not necessarily that. We are a representative and we're one of the many voices, but then when we do have to also um, speak to our physician colleagues about, okay, what do we need to do and how can we advance this particular movement, we might feel a little straddled with trying to play both sides and really um, representing both sides. And then it's how, how are we working together with our colleagues in order to move, the, um, move this initiative along. And so I just really realized how sometimes isolated that can feel and how little training or education I had around that and, um, and thought there's definitely, there's other docs who are in this similar scenario that I'm in and I'd love to be of service to them and be a resource for them. Yeah, I love it because there is a very steep learning curve going from the white coat to the suit coat and being mm -hmm. able to transition back and forth between those. Right. Yeah, there, there absolutely is. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting that you even bring that up because I've, I heard that very early on in my leadership journey of um, the suits versus the white coats, or you're now a suit and, and getting labeled and just, and really what a negative stigma there is associated with that of, you know, a physician who is crossing over into the dark side positions. Exactly. Right. You're now the, you're, you're now one of them. You're not one of us anymore. And it's, it's almost like you've been stripped of your physician card and you're saying, no, that's not, that's not at all what's going on. I'm, you know, you're moving into a new role because, you know, maybe there's a passion there for you, or you're really interested in that, or you see it's a different way for you to serve, or it's a, it is, you know, it's a different kind of work where you're really finding purpose. And that's what it was for me really in moving into leadership. It was, it was about finding a new purpose and a new direction for, um, for my professional career and, but you still want to maintain that connection with your physicians and with your physician colleagues. Like those, that's, it, those are my people, right? I mean, that's where I grew up and, the, and there's just a sense of like camaraderie that you feel immediately when you walk into a room with physicians. So you don't want to be ostracized as though, like you said, you've moved over to the dark side, but it's, it's also understanding like what are the skills and the strengths that I have that actually make me really effective in this new role that I do now have. And so how can I leverage them? So it's not about, oh, I need to now change because I think that's what some who are not familiar with, you know, moving into a leadership role think is that, oh, you've changed. You're now a different person. So yes, I may have changed, and, but I think I've grown and I've evolved in a positive way in which what my focus and emphasis is, is really on helping other physicians who are in that exact same position that I once was in or whatever position they're in right now. And I think your work is so vital as we are trying to get more women into those upper levels of leadership yes. so that everyone below can see a representative in the room. You look like me. You trained like I did. You know what our values are and can carry that in. I think it's just so important. And then having the mindset of, and I know this was a big one for me going into C-suites is I belong here too. And mm -hmm. really doing a lot of work around that. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, there's a great, a great uh, quote that I like to use often from Mary Wright Edelman, you know, a, um, an activist and an educator who says, you can't be what you can't see. 
And if we as physicians are not sitting in the C-suites and if we are not holding those leadership, position, those leadership positions, then there's other physicians who are stepping into the attending world who don't think that that's even a possibility for them. I mean, this is just one of many tracks that are available to us as physicians. If your track is being a clinician or if your track is being a podcaster or if your track is being a physician coach or if your track is being a, um, a chief medical officer, it's what, like, I want you to know that there are endless possibilities available to you. But if you don't see anybody who is sitting in one of those seats or who holds one of those titles, then you might think that could never happen. It just, it just can't be. You're just, you may, your imagination may not even let you believe that something like that could actually happen. And so I, you know, I, I do want to be not necessarily a role model, but I just want people to be able to see there's a possibility. Like if somebody can look at me and see you're a woman, you're an African-American woman, you're a physician, you're a mother, you're a wife, you're, you know, an athlete, you're what all, you're all these other things in addition to being a leader, in addition to being a physician development coach, in addition to being, you know, um, a physician executive, then I know I can do it. And I didn't get a chance to see that in coming through. And so I want to be able to set that example for others as well. I think so. And just like we were talking before we got on the podcast, it's like those that are stuck in the box, being able to like pop open the top Mm -hmm. and be like, see, see, you don't have to jump. You just have to look. (laughs) You just have to look. You just have to be willing to open up your eyes and see what sometimes is right in front of you. And then if it's not right in front of you, then how can you bring it even closer? right? How can you shorten that distance and get one step closer to that and start to really see that as a possibility? Yeah, I think, and I go back to the story thinking about it when they said, you know, a sub four minute mile was never going to be possible for humanity. And then the guy did it. And then like 19 other guys did it after. And it's like the guy who just won the marathon and just like did kick ass times. That is the new reality. He Mm -hmm. opened for the rest of the world to see with all of that. And I'm just so excited the work that you're doing and cracking the surface for all of us to have some new light. Well, let's jump into your word. It's feedback. Okay. And I'll be honest, when you submitted it, I was like, oh shit, she's going to give me some feedback. I got a little nervous, but then I knew I was getting in my head and I was like, no, she just wants to talk about feedback. Had to do some self-coaching there. Yes. Yes. I, and I think it's great that that is the first instinct that you had because that is such a natural instinct, right? Anytime somebody says to us, Hey, I want to give you some feedback or can I give you some feedback? I mean, what happens? Like just our heart rate starts to go up, right? The little hairs on our arms start to stand up. We might My get armor goes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, we just might immediately get ready to be in defensive mode right? How can, how can I shut this down? How can I end this as quickly as possible? How can we not have this conversation? How can I avoid this and duck and dodge and get my way out of this, right? That's when your, your um, pager all of a sudden goes off or you get a call on the phone, this, that imaginary call like, oh, you know what? They need me right now in the OR. I got to go. Can we catch up later? Right? Hoping that somebody will completely forget what they meant to talk to you about um, all the time. But I just thought 
let's go ahead and pull back the covers on feedback and really talk about how uncomfortable and awkward it can be largely in part because we don't work at it because we don't practice it and because we've had and i know i and i totally speak from personal experience around this is because we've had really bad experiences in receiving feedback and um, and bad experiences, really bad. bad. I mean, and, and you can remember, and I know I can rattle off those horrible experiences that I've had. And, you know, and I, I trained at, um, at a time where you know, I'm not going to say it was hazing, but where attendings were a little tougher, shall we say on, on residents there just, there wasn't, there were not as many of the regulations that we have now and really trying to protect um, residents through their whole training and education and where you could be just outright scolded and, and told you are not good or what you did was wrong. Or, I mean, I, I've never had anything directly thrown at me in the operating room, but I've definitely had my hand slapped in the operating room and told not to do that anymore. And, um, and I even remember, um, a GYN oncologist that I worked with when I was, I was the second year resident and um, as the second year, you're just pretty much standing there, right? You're just taking up space and your job is just to watch and observe as the attending and your chief resident are, are doing the case. And you're just happy that you're there and that they'll actually acknowledge you in the operating room. And so my job was just to hold the suction and to suction as they needed to make sure that I was keeping the surgical field um, clear. And he told me that I was not doing a good job in suction. Not only did he say I wasn't doing a good job, but he said, you're the worst sucker ever. And I just thought, I don't, like, I don't even know what that is. First of all, I didn't know that that was um, something I, that, that was like a real award that existed. Um, but to hear, to hear that kind of criticism or to hear that kind of feedback, right? That sits with you because you're thinking, I'm trying to do a good job and I'm trying to do the best that I could. Now in his defense, he did at least then show me how he wanted it done. Mm. And he did, you know, teach me how to do it. So then I knew, okay, going forward, this is what, this is what my role is. And this is how I can suction properly, right? So that he can have the best visualization of the surgical field. But I think that's what we often don't get with feedback is that it's not specific, is that it's not descriptive, and that it's not behavioral based. And it becomes more of criticism and judgment and is very vague and is nonspecific. And so feedback is really about that specific descriptive behavioral based information that's designed to help the person move forward. And I think in what I've normally received is just being told that you're not doing it right. Or if you are doing it right, I don't know what I need to do in order to repeat it so that it's repeatable, sustainable behavior. It's just, hey, good job in that meeting. What exactly did I do so well in that meeting? Was it something about the presentation? Was my presentation very clear? Was it very concise? Was it very succinct? Did it you know, perfectly summarize? whatever the initiative is. I, I don't know what it is in with good job. Like praise feels good. Don't get me wrong. I like to be told, hey, you did a good job and love your work. Or, we, 
I mean, I have an ego just like anybody else, but I want to know what is it about it that touched you in some way? What resonated with you? What was it that I can repeat so that you can continue to get something out of this? Absolutely. You know, I work with GMEs and that's one thing that we do in June before all the new residents come in July is just repeating this because in medical culture, you're right, we are terrible at that. I can remember being a resident getting evaluations back and, and it would just say like, she's a great resident. And again, <laughs> I appreciate the praise, right. but I don't even know what am I doing well that that is over and above so mm -hmm. that I know, okay, you, like you said, so I can continue this sustainably. One example, as you were talking is whenever I'm giving talks, you know, like CMEs, grand rounds, mm -hmm. keynotes, mm -hmm. you know, and I always ask for the organization to send those reviews back for feedback right. to see if there was like a certain point that people resonated with. If it was something that how I presented stories, what is it? You know, mm -hmm. and usually all they send me is the numbers, like, mm. you know, like one through five, what, and it, and because again, we don't know how to give adequate feedback unless right. we really want to bust somebody's balls. Now, believe me, I've gotten that feedback quite right. a bit, <laughs> which is fine. But most of the time that is more about opinions about how I look and mm -hmm. how I talk rather than actual factual detailed, you know, subscriptions on what the framework and the body of what my presentation was about. So, I mean, I would challenge not just in a learning environment, but all physicians, when you're asked to give feedback, I love your list about specific descriptive behavioral based information, mm -hmm. because I think that really does hit to the heart of it, that feedback can be a great thing, both mm -hmm. positive and as a learning experience on the other side, we just have to learn how to do it better. Right. And I don't yes. think, I think part of the problem too is when you're tired, when you're burned out, when mm -hmm. you're grumpy as hell, no, you're not going to be able to think about how to give appropriate feedback. So we got to get some of these people in a better frame of mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And that's, you know, that's why I did develop a model and it's as simple as open up, as open up um, to really remind physicians about the importance of giving feedback and how to make it really simple and easy for them. And so, yes, it is opening up and part of your ability to open up, which, you know, is an acronym and um, that has kind of helped me with in delivering feedback as well as receiving feedback because it's two-sided, but it is in creating that safe space, that an area of psychological safety to where you can speak very openly and very freely and you can come from a place of curiosity and you can listen and you can explore and the other person can do the same as well. Because as you said, feedback is often about your opinion, right? So it's what works really well for you and what, what most connects with you. And so I want to, instead of telling somebody, hey, I want to give you feedback, hey, I want to share with you my reaction. I want to share and sharing the reaction just to hear that alone, that just diffuses all of the anxiety around feedback. If somebody says, Hey, I want to give you some feedback. Like you said, you get anxious, you get worked up. You think, Oh my goodness, what's, how's this going to go? But instead, Hey, I want to share with you my reaction. 
then I'm interested. I actually, I want to hear like, what is your reaction? What, and if your reaction is, I didn't like it, well, then I want to know why you didn't like it. And if your reaction is, I loved it, or I did really like it, I also want to hear why. So now I can come more from a place of really being curious. And, and in order to be curious and for us to explore, there does have to be that safe space. And that's not out in the open in front of a large crowd or just catching you in the hallway or just you know catching you at the end of the day when you're trying to do 10 other things and manage your family. And, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to actually set aside some time to sit down and have a conversation with an individual, especially if you want them to be able to advance and move forward and do something differently or be able to sustain what they're doing. For them to hear that, then there has to be that environment where they can actually absorb that and take that in. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think there's a triggering that happens with feedback because of all of our old old wounds with it. We all have a little bit of that going on. So what would be your top tips for all of our female colleagues who are listening right now when it comes to what you're doing with your Akron and opening up and um, all of this with feedback and in the leadership realm? Yeah. You know, there's so much around this, but I think for one, it's um, that just as we master anything in our lives, and I know your, um, your listeners are masters within their own space, to become a master of feedback takes practice. You have to practice at this. And, and I know that's something I just had to, uh, I had to absolutely reconcile and just step right into that and start seeking feedback instead of waiting and being, you know, the passive recipient of it and waiting till feedback came and just, you know, smacked me in the face or when feedback was just right there in front of me, then I started, I've, I now go out and I seek it and I start asking and it doesn't have to be perfect. What I have might just be the draft. It might just be something that I just kind of sketched out really fast, but I start asking. And and when I'm asking, I'm asking for very specific questions around what information do I need in order to make this most valuable for you? And not just, is this good? Or just tell me what you think. When you make it that broad and that wide open, then be ready to get something that isn't very helpful or that you might get flooded or just inundated with a bunch of information that's, that's hard to kind of decipher through. So um, I think one, it's definitely that to become skilled both at giving and receiving feedback absolutely takes mastery and it takes practice. And, um, and then the, the other thing is I would say, just be very specific about what it is that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. When, when someone, if someone is giving you feedback, then ask questions about what is it, what is their intention and ask, and even ask yourself questions about how well do I know this person? How well do I trust this person? Is this, how can this help me with my own personal or professional development. If you see absolutely no benefit in it at all, and you don't see how it can connect to help you grow or evolve, it's okay to discard it. It's okay to let it go. And it's okay to say, thank you very much for your feedback, or thank you very much for sharing. And, and know that that's not something that you have to now act upon. Mm-hmm. Integrate um, it into your being. 
exactly. can just move on. You can just move on and you can just let it go. And, you know, and then you may need to, and then you can speak to somebody else who can give you something that is very worthwhile to you, but somebody who's just, you know, just laying something on your lap just because they want to lay it on your lap and they want to release it. You know, that's more about them. That's not really about you at all. And so you do not have to internalize this. And I think, and that kind of really leads to the third point around, you know, feedback is subjective. So as much as we really want to try to keep it objective as objective as possible and not make it about personal attacks and not make it about criticizing or judging an individual, but it is somebody providing their opinion. And so because it is somebody's opinion, that's why it can be easier to let go and easier to discard because it is not an objective assessment of who you are. And it does not identify you, and it is not something that you now have to, um, you know, wear as your, you know, claim to fame or not. Because if I did, I'd be walking around with t-shirts on that said, "I'm the worst sucker <laughs> in the operating room." That's not that's not who I am, right? That was, you know, a just very unbecoming way that he used to explain I was not doing a very good job. But I appreciate right. the fact that he took the time to then show me how to do it well. And so now every time I do, okay, this is now how I can do it. So you don't have to try to wear this as either one, a badge of honor, because somebody after a keynote speaker comes up and says, hey, you did a great job, really enjoyed your, your keynote. That feels great, but you also don't have to go around and walk around and say, well, I'm, I'm a great keynote speaker. If that's who you identify, that's what you identify with and that's who you know yourself to be, then own that. But just because somebody gives you opinion does not mean that that's what you are destined to be. I allude it to labels and like, you know, those little sticky ones that you always have to put your name on, on meetings. So people mm -hmm. know who everybody is just like when you get to peel those off and throw them away. It's the yeah. same thing with feedback as well. Now there's some that we like want to derma bond, like back onto ourselves. <laughs> right. So you do that. That's but right. it is important to to say like you get to choose your labels yes. no matter what and and that's okay it's totally okay I've been recently working with some residents just exactly their first years they're six months in like speaking to this as well and it's so funny to see their face like oh I'm like it's not the God's honest truth you get to pick it it's okay yeah. moving mm -hmm. forward it's fine well, if my listeners are like, holy man, I need more of this, <laughs> where can they go find out more about you, Dr. Malcolm? Well, I would love to connect with your listeners. I have a website and it's mastermdleaders.com. Uh, I have developed a coaching firm. So the name of my coaching firm is Master Physician Leaders. So the website is mastermdleaders.com. And I welcome the chance to connect with any of the listeners through a discovery call. And I also, you know, welcome the chance for them to sign up for my newsletters. And I will be pushing out a first 90 days for the beginning of the year and would love for them to participate in building and boosting their social and emotional intelligence, which I think is so critical to us being very self-aware so that we can understand and recognize our emotions in the moment 
and recognize those of others in the moment so that we can really build very lasting and strong relationships. So yeah, um, tell me more about the first 90, how this is going to be formatted and how people get to participate. Yeah, this is, um, this is gonna, going to kick off in the new year in 2020, and it is going to focus on all of the competencies of social and emotional intelligence and providing very specific, realistic, um, easy to integrate tips and tools for you to tackle one week at a time. And whether you want to move on to the next or not is completely up to you. And if there's just one that really resonates with you, then that's perfect and keep going with that. But the idea is for us to become really more self-aware and understanding like what makes us tick and what doesn't and really leveraging what does make us tick and what is most important to us and what our, our skills and our strengths truly are in order to utilize those at their best so that we can be our best. And if we're at our best, then it allows for us to have better relationships with those um, around us. Mm -hmm. And that's especially important when you're working to a leadership position or in a leader position. Hell, we're all leaders as physicians mm -hmm. in some, even in our, you know, if it's not in the office or the hospital, at home we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. There's so much more and more literature coming out about, you know, EI, emotional intelligence. And again, another mm -hmm. subject they didn't teach us in med school about, but is super important right. when you get out into the real yes. world. I'm really excited right. for these weekly blogs to pop out and then to really start the first couple of months with you learning more about this and seeing your tips and tricks in the physician point of view on all of this. Yeah. Well, thank you. I would, um, I, and I welcome everybody to give me feedback. Uh, so there'll be an opportunity as well too, for you to post any comments or to share what's, what's working and really what connects and what, what resonates with you. But I, this is one of the things in really focusing on my own personal emotional intelligence that I have found has made such a difference for me. I've, I've, I've always been able to develop relationships very quickly with other people. And, but I, what I didn't understand is how did I do that? Like, why was I able to be effective in doing that? And it was, it was because of my emotional um, intelligence and because my social and emotional intelligence. However, that doesn't mean that it can't still be built upon. It doesn't mean that it's, it still can't mature and it can't still grow. And it, and there's areas that I'm still working on and really being very cognizant about the emotions that I am feeling in the moment and being able to call those out to myself to say, you're angry. And because you're angry, that's why you're stuck right now. And that's why you feel paralyzed right now. So go ahead and deal with the anger that you're having and then let it go. So then you can continue to forge ahead and, and keep moving forward. And I, I think our IQ is phenomenal, right? So as physicians, we've got IQs that are through the roof and that's a big part of the reason why we are physicians and why we have those letters that come after our name. But what has gotten us here is not what always what's going to keep us there. And if we want to continue to excel, and I really believe that your listeners want to continue excelling because I've yet to meet a physician who has said, I don't want to excel. I don't want to grow. I don't want to move on to the next place. I just want to stay stuck in, you know, in this quicksand that I think I'm in right now. 
then it's going to be your emotional intelligence that's going to help you move on to that next level. Yeah, because that's going to be so much fun, more fun than relearning the freaking Krebs cycle again. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. I completely agree, right? Let's, I mean, let's learn some stuff that is really going to help us and let's use some stuff that we can, um, that we can apply into other parts of our life as well, too. Absolutely. Well, Terry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, kick of encouragement time. I mean, after an amazing conversation like that, it's pretty hard to come up with an amazing kick of encouragement. I'm not going to lie. So let's get into this about labels. And just like I mentioned in the conversations, I really think about the labels that we place on ourselves, just like those name badges whenever you go to meetings and you don't know who people are. And gosh, sometimes you're like so ready to tear off that name tag. And then other times, I don't know about you, but I really like to keep them. And like stick them on other things like, oh my God, I can't believe I was in this place. So let's think about the labels that we place our, on ourselves like that. First, what I want you to think about is past labels. Who were you or what were you labeled in the past? I mean, going all the way back maybe into childhood. I think it's important to see that some of those things that we labeled in ourselves are still sticking to us now as grown up adults. So what were those past labels that you put on yourself? If you have a journal, if you're not driving right now, if you have a chance to write this down, go ahead. If you are doing those things and you need to do this later, you can check out the show notes. I'll have all the questions in there. Also, if you came to my recent masterclass called Oh Shit, Now What? This is going to sound really, really familiar. And maybe you need to hear it again. Maybe that's why I'm talking about it today. But anyway, let's get back to the labels question. So think about labels that you had in the past. Okay, now think about present labels. Things that are sticking on you that you would label yourself as today. In this moment, in this life that you are in right now. And then I want you to think about what future labels do you want to tag on to yourself? Is it some kind of role? Is it a job position? Is it something in the social circle or within your family? What do you want those labels to be in the future? Got it? So it's a little bit of the past, the present, and the future. Now, looking over your list or thinking about your list, which of those labels are really serving you well? I don't know about you. But I definitely have some labels that are not serving me well. And I'm not sure why they're still sticking around in my life. Of course, that that was in the past, we just need to leave it there. But we need to make sure that we aren't taking labels with us into our future. Another question I want to ask you is, which labels have been assigned to you without your permission? Mm, think about that one for a minute. Like somebody snuck up behind you and smacked one on your back without you even knowing. I think it's important to realize that we all carry labels that have been given to us without our permission. But you know what? It's us to, up to us to peel those suckers off and throw them away. 
Another question I want you to think about it, maybe in a different spin, is which labels have you taken on voluntarily or involuntarily? And then the last question, because you get to decide, yes, absolutely, you do, which labels do you want? And this is without judgment, without bias, just which ones do you really in your gut deep in your soul, which ones do you want? I hope this exercise has been clarifying for you to know that you really get to decide and you get to define what those labels are. Friends, it is my goal in 2020 to interact with each and every listener of the Dr. Me First podcast. That's right. I either want to hang out with you on Instagram, I want to have a conversation over email, or even more important and exciting would be able to have a call with you and get to meet you face to face and hear your voice and just get in touch with you because I truly believe community and relationships are what makes this life so rich. So if we haven't talked yet, if we're not friends on Instagram, I am challenging you today to get on there, friend me, tell me why you're friending me, and I can't wait to start a conversation with you. The other thing that I want to encourage you to do is if any of these episodes have been super helpful to you, don't give me a rating. Don't give me a review. I'm so different than other podcasters. Instead, I want you to share it with somebody who you think it can help to because the ultimate purpose of this podcast is to help others. So remember, my friend, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye. Bye.